from Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide. Find the common ground we know we all share. Hi, I'm B.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. America has often been at the crossroads, and yet here we are again. What do we do? And how do we do it? Together, let's get into it. Our purpose? To do the work. To truly peel away at the extremes, for it's the extremes, the extremes that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog. Small groups of people with outsized voices are commanding the stage, and the rest of us? Well, the rest of us suffer for it. It's time for all that to change. Let's lean into discomfort. Let's have the hard conversations, and together, let's etch the edges. Welcome back to another episode of Etch the Edges. Today's special guest is an entrepreneur, someone who has done what many of us would consider to be outsized things, things that we really, really want to applaud, things that we want to share stories about achievements that often enough, folks that look like myself would think they could not achieve. And that's important. Again, Etch the Edge is about not only just closing the ideological divides around our politics, we want to close the divides around concepts of opportunity and how people can lean into discomfort think critically about what it is they're doing and figure out a way to thrive and live a life of critical success. Today's guest is Atlanta entrepreneur, John Hurt. Welcome, John. Thank you, Derek. Good to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. We're so glad to have you. Well, as ever, we're just gonna lean in, right? First, I wanna ask you, John, tell us your story, right? Where do you come from? And what was the early life of John Hurd like? You know, we're going to get into where, we, where you eventually got, but we want to see how your life was when you first came out and the sky was blue and the sun was shining and you were walking around and life might not have been so easy. Tell us about that. Yes, uh, Johnny John Hurd, uh, born in a small town, Edithon, Georgia, which is about uh, 80 miles east of Atlanta. And, you know, my dad and Ma ran a big farm. Uh, we had uh, I'm a, one of eight siblings and the baby, the baby of the family. And, you know, back in those days, you know, we uh, farmed and uh, went to school and got a good education. Uh, my parents saw that, went to church on Sundays. Uh, and of course, my daddy, not only he ran his farm, he had a, uh, a grocery store with a nightclub in the back. <laughs> and it was called the Shine Hurts Place. So uh, when everybody else uh, finished uh, having a good times up in the city uh, of Edithon, they came out to my dad's place, hmm. you know, and he was a hardworking man. You talking about, uh, you know, in that store, from six o'clock in the evening on Friday nights to eight o'clock the next Saturday morning. Wow. So uh, he taught me about work ethics, 
you know, getting ahead and becoming a business owner, entrepreneur. And that's really uh, is my, you know, insight to how I got interest in becoming an owner. And of course, right now, you know, as far as myself, went through high school, you know, went to college. And my first uh, semester at college, I couldn't go. Mm. You know, I needed the funds to go to college. And uh, so I worked a job, uh, you know, night shift job uh, for once a semester before I got into college. And uh, but I got into college, I uh, got my uh, BBA degree. But while I was in college, you know, I needed a job to support myself through uh, school. So I got a job at McDonald's, the local McDonald's in Millersville, Georgia. So, uh, you know, came in as a crew person, you know, toasting buns, cooking the burgers, you know, got up to the level of cashier. And in six months, I was promoted to a swing manager. So I uh, came out of the crew shirt into a shirt and tie. Well, it, it, and, it, 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 uh, let me you right there, John, because I think that's a critical point, right? You, you went in and <laughs> you were toasting buns <laughs> yes. and, and flipping burgers now. And, and we know we want to make sure that we emphasize the points that matter. In, in today's environment where we glorify so much shine, you know, what you value was, or valued and continue to value was hard work. And you got to shift supervisor, right? Shift supervisor. That's right. Six months, six months. In and six months. It was, it was it like, man, I'm, 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 I'm toasting buns and, and I'm <laughs> pissed off. Or was it, man, I'm toasting buns and this is what it is. This is the work. I just got to do the work. Where at the beginning of McDonald's, as I got into working at that McDonald's in Milledgeville, Georgia, as a crew person, you know, I realized what McDonald's was all about. Mm. It was about great quality food, uh, fast, friendly service, and keeping a clean restaurant, and, and really, really taking care of your customers because you don't get paid unless customers come to your restaurant and, and spend their money. Uh, so I really got into maintaining those principles, you know, quality service and cleanliness. And, you know, the leadership in me, you know, I just did things because the way I was. I wanted, I wanted to keep, you know, clean grills, cooking grills. I want to keep a clean floor, keep the lobby looking nice and clean and, you know, be respectful of my customers and respectful of my peers. So um, I was just ingrained with those principles and I, you know, kept doing it on my own. And the owners of that restaurant, they took notice. Wow. And uh, in, in, in more ways than one, you know, I was uh, a little bit above the playing field of the other employees because of my mindset. Uh, and I got to talking with those owners and I really, really uh, got excited about what I could be in the future as a McDonald's owner operator. That, that's uh, important. That's, that's really important. You said another thing that's really salient that I think we want to make sure we get across. A couple of things. Core work ethic. You know, a lot of kids these days, some of them may have a core work ethic, but we know a lot of what we talk about is they don't have the exposure, the visibility, the insight into examples that can help augment them as they struggle through this day-to-day -day of 
like we say, you know, um, toasting buns. I, I, Derek, I ain't trying to toast no buns. Or maybe if you toast buns for a little while, things will get better. And that's where you right. got to have some stick to But then you went from a, you had a core work ethic. You had exposure from your daddy. And that's powerful. Mm -hmm. He presented opportunity and he showed you a way. But what really just hit me was it started actually talking to the owners. And that's what I would really want folks to understand and make sure that our kids get. You were having a conversation with the person who owned the joint. And it was about a promise of tomorrow, not just toasting buns today. It was about where you could go. And that's vital. They leaned in and sat down with you, right? Yes, they leaned in and sat down with me. And we talked about things and we talked about business. Uh, you know, they started me with my first American Express card. Wow. You know, how you can, you know, uh, use an American Express card to build your credit. Uh, they talked to me about uh, planning for the next day. You know, before the next day come, you set up your shift. You know, what people are you going to have to work that shift? Are they coming to work? How do you position those people on the floor? Uh, so what are your sales expected to be? And how can you improve upon those sales? You know, little things like making out a to-do list. You know, a to-do list and prioritize what you're going to get done every day. So it's a lot of little things they taught me which are big when it comes to getting results. And that's what I'm all about is getting results. Uh, so that's how I got started. Uh, and from there, you know, I continued on in school. Like I said, I got my bachelor's degree in accounting uh, and went on to continue with these guys and got promoted to a co-manager uh, of another restaurant and I got my master's in business administration management. I wanted my education because I wanted to be you know, knowledgeable of not only McDonald's, but whatever else I was you know, gonna get into later in life. Uh, you know, I still interested in McDonald's, but there was no growth in Madison, Georgia. So I moved to Atlanta and worked with another owner operator. He had nine restaurants, went from you know, system manager to store manager. And he sold out to the McDonald's Corporation. And that was my my big out, so to speak, to, to get ahead in life. When I got with the corporation, because I saw that opportunity, and I took advantage of it. You know, I worked hard, continued to do a great job. And I thought of myself as being someone who was impressive. You know, I did more than what was expected when it comes to building sales, taking care of customers, uh, delivering profits for the corporation. So I got promoted from a general manager to an area supervisor on up to a training consultant in which I taught classes in McDonald's corporate office in Atlanta. You know, that was like unreal being in that position to teach management courses to managers that come through the system. Uh, you know, from there, I went on to, um, got promoted to a, a business consultant in which I went out and, you know, went to, into the field and inspected owner-operator restaurants and graded their restaurants. And uh, in 1995, I got the opportunity to become a McDonald's owner-operator. Mm. What, what a 
a dream come true. Uh, you know, the regional vice president sat down with me and said, John, I have an opportunity for you. I was in Atlanta, of course, but I had to move to Selma, Alabama for my mm-hmm. first three restaurants. Wow. And I was a joint venture partner at the time with McDonald's as my billion dollar company partner. Uh, we, I will say 40%, bought up to 50%. Did that for four years in Selma, Alabama and Montgomery. And then I moved to Atlanta, back to Atlanta in 1999 and went from uh, four stores to nine restaurants as a joint venture partner. Got up to 19 stores as a joint venture partner. Uh, and uh, at that point in 2010, I got with another gentleman, the vice president of McDonald's, and he, he was able to help me buy out the, the corporation. Uh, from a joint venture partner, I became a full 100% owner in 2010. Uh, and I couldn't buy all 19 stores, but I could buy 10 and one more at the ground for 11. And that's where I'm at today, an owner operator of 11 McDonald's restaurants. Wow. Wow. So that, <laughs> you know, John, we, we, we got to put, we got to put a, a, some stars around that. Switch, <laughs> and then we, we, we got to take it back and it just hits some real key points. Right. And, and I, I especially want the um, listeners to make sure that this, this information gets conveyed to the children because this is what's important. You, you had your core work ethic. You stuck to it. And I must say it again because I don't want folks to lose sight of it. You know, you went from flipping buns, dropping fries and burgers, got your education, you started consulting, you were training. These are big things. And for most of us, that's where life kind of curves and, and eases into a sense of complacency because, you know, you're in management, you're doing well, and maybe that's where you were meant to thrive, and that's okay. But what we want to make sure folks are doing, especially for any given minority ethnicity trying to realize the American dream, is to not let those hot points, those strike points of opportunity pass you by. And the, the, the best way to say it is that's what happened to you. You were talking to leadership, you were having conversations with executive leadership, and they saw your potential because you were exuding it over and over and over again. And someone said to you, owner operator, part owner in a McDonald's. And what I was thinking when you said that is, and I wanna convey this too is, folks, we, we drive down the street, back and forth. There are buildings on either side of the road constantly. We live our lives in that everyday mode. But the thing that we often lose sight of is there's a a shoe store right there. There's the Walmart. No one can miss the Walmart. That's the heavyweight gorilla on the the street. And then over there, it's McDonald's. That's McDonald's. Somebody owns that McDonald's. That's someone's business. And if you would walk the right path, that could be your business too. And that is the future that I don't want us to miss, to lose sight of, that when the opportunity presents itself, you have to strike. You struck and you struck hard. It took you back to Alabama, but as we all know, Alabama's a great state. It's just not Atlanta. But you went (laughs) there to grow. You went there to realize the dream. And we can't sleep on the fact that it was 19 stores that you got up to in this partnership with a $50 billion monster. 
folks have to, I want folks to just let that settle for a minute. You know what, John, I'm gonna take a pause on that. I'm gonna just yes. like, pause and get some air on that. $50 billion, <laughs> you, an individual, a $50 billion beast, a man of color, a black man, parting with the organization to make this happen. Brought you back to the ATL, bought out your partnership, and now you're executing with 11, stones, 11 stores, owner, operator. That's outstanding. And that, that is a story worth telling without equivocation. I just want to thank you for doing it. Absolutely. Because the more people see it, the more you shine like a guiding post and the more folks can walk behind that path that you and your friends and folks who are doing the same thing, you blaze that and we get more of these kids to walk it and then the opportunities start to shift and they can start to do that too. That's what we need to happen in ever greater numbers. So before we continue, I just wanted to pause, get that out. And again, I wanted to thank you, number one, for sharing the story and number two, for walking the path in the first place. Thank you, my brother. You're very welcome. So good to be here. Yes. So now you got 11 stores under your belt. You, 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 you're, not, you're not toasting buns, clearly, but you got some folks who are doing it. How does that work? You, you've arrived now, you're in the ATL, you're running these stores. What's life like? And what are the challenges like? Oh, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I really got to apologize, John. I wanted to go back because there's one piece I missed. And this would probably, folks will want to hear this. Path is charged. You're walking it. I know you got tired. How did you work that? I know you got weary. How did you overcome? Because it ain't easy. It ain't easy achieving. And it's even harder to be quite frank when you're black. Yes, there are times when you want to quit, uh, but you never quit two days in a row. All right. Uh, you know, I remember a time when I was uh, a shift supervisor in Middlesbrough, Georgia. Uh, my brother was in Atlanta, just got married, got a new house. And uh, my family wanted to go up to Atlanta to visit my brother at his new home. And I wanted to go. Uh, I talked to everybody in that restaurant, every other employee. Can you run my shift Sunday? And uh, so uh, I can go, you know, off on a trip. I could not find anyone. Wow. So I had to sacrifice. I stayed there and worked at McDonald's that Sunday. And my other, you know, sister, mom and dad, uh, you know, brother went to see my brother in Atlanta with his new home and his new wife and, and uh, you know, to the, to the new, new home up there. So, you know, this is a sacrifice I had. That's a small sacrifice I had to make. And I think back on that day, you know, uh, you know, I had to do what I had to do. I had to take care of my responsibility. Uh, you know, other times too, when, uh, you know, there's peaks in life and there are valleys. Uh, you know, I went through a few valleys when it comes to, uh, you know, struggles or learning the changes McDonald's bring upon you. Uh, we went from uh, in the late seventies uh, where that was more so the uh, early nineties. We went from, um, you know, cooking straight out the grill 
to a, what they call a made for you. And uh, so we did that cook and buck. We cooked individual orders to our customers. It's a whole change in McDonald's. So uh, it took a lot of investments. Uh, it took a lot of time and training, uh, but we toughed it out. And most recently, uh, McDonald's bigger, bigger, bolder vision of remodeling all the restaurants, which incurred a huge amount of investment upon the owners. You know, you're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to remodel a restaurant, you know, go from the old look to the new look with the stacked stone, digital menu boards, you know, nice lobbies, uh, you know, ordering kiosks in the lobby, you name it. And so uh, we lost a few owners because of that. Wow. In which you had debt on the books. And now McDonald's, they partnered with you, of course, but still you had to put more debt on your books, you know, if you already had debt there. So uh, we lost a few owners because of that. But I toughed it out and uh, had a good relationship with the banks and I made it happen. And as of now, last, this past uh, July, I did my last store a modernization. Uh, you know, clean out the, gutted out the lobby, put in a whole new lobby package, side-by-side drive-through, uh, digital menu boards, ordering kiosks in the lobby, uh, the whole nine yards. So you go through a few, a few struggles in life, uh, but you have to see the big picture. McDonald's is on the move. We're catering to our customers. They want the bright lights and the, you know, the shining stars. And that's what we're gonna give them. So either I'm in the game or not in the game. And for me, I wanted to be in the game. So I had to make those sacrifices. Well, all right. Well, first off, congratulations on getting that last store modernized. That, that, I know mm -hmm. that was a substantial hit, as you say, it's clear. But I will tell you, as a person who's been in one of your stores, they look good. <laughs> <laughs> thank they, you. They look good. They look good. Thank like you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. So that, and, and that makes it real clear, you know, and I wanna make sure that, that folks understand that, that even as you achieve and you get to certain levels, you still have things that claw and pull you back. But you have to, how did you say that? You know, I want to be a winner. I want to go ahead and knock this thing on out. You got to find a way to push you through. And I'm always an aspiring advocate for critical thinking. I continue to push it. And clearly what you did was you had leveraged your relationships. You thought critically about how to resolve the issues. These are skill sets that never die. So you had the good relationship with the bank. You were able to make sure you had the money at play. You had to carry some debt, but the debt didn't overwhelm you. It didn't drive you out of an opportunity for you to rise and attain another level. That's outstanding. Um, I, I do wanna ask a question on that one, John, and we're gonna lean a little bit into the discomfort on the diversity, equity, and uh, you know, inclusion side of this. I tell people all the time, and I want this for my white listeners as well, HGHs, of course, is about you know, folks that live here in this country, in America, and it's not, you know, um, it's not designed for one ethnicity. You know, I wanna make sure we emphasize that, and I think folks get that. But as I'm sitting here, I'm talking to a person of color who's achieved a certain level of success. I want you to kind of lean in and say, what has it been like to have to work your way through dealing with white folks in order to achieve your success? Because 
that is always part of the formula. It's not like, you know, we have these vectors of color, African-American color that says, okay, I grew up in whatever this neighborhood was, whether it was good or bad, but I'm getting ready to move to Buckhead in 30 years. That's my plan. But I'm just going to do this with dealing with people that look like me. That's not our lot as Americans. That's not how it works for us. Can you talk about that a little? Yes. And in my experience, uh, a diversity is a good thing. Uh, when you have different viewpoints of people sitting down at the table, sharing ideals uh, and focus on alignment and moving as one. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's not about black, it's not about white, it's about green. Yeah. Okay. And what it's going to take to satisfy the customers and, and move us forward into the future to, to be a, a number one player in the marketplace when it comes to, uh, you know, quick service restaurants. Uh, you know, I have great relationships with all people. Uh, you know, has some ups and downs here and there. Uh, but, you know, you try to avoid those type people. You know, you just go the other, other direction. Uh, you know where they're coming from and you know what you're all about. And so you, you don't let that alter what you're trying to do. Uh, where, it come, where it comes to, uh, you know, words they say or actions they take, you know, you just have to you know, keep it, keep it knocking. That's why I say, just keep it knocking ahead. Uh, but for the most part, you know, diversity, diversity is a good thing. Uh, and I really believe in alignment, everyone pulling from the same end of the rope. Uh, and that's how you get ahead in life. And that's what I stick to every day in and out. Absolutely. So that first vice president that saw you and wanted to work with you was, did he happen to be a white man? No, this was uh, the first black uh, female uh, vice president for the Atlanta region. Wow. Uh, she came down from Illinois to take that position. And, um, you know, of course, you know, whenever someone comes into this, re this uh, region from a leadership perspective, I make sure that uh, I get in touch with these folks, these type people you know, have conversations and they get to know me, I get to know them. Uh, it's all about relationships. All so, right. and that's how we got started. And, uh, you know, it just it blossomed from that point. Uh, you know, she was a great person. She's retired now, uh, but I thank her to the bottom of my, of my heart uh, for what she done for me and uh, what, uh, you know, uh, she did for McDonald's overall. That, that, that is awesome, John. And interestingly mm -hmm. enough, you know, I, I want to emphasize the fact that on this show, we always talk about uplift. You know, um, mm -hmm. if you happen to be the same ethnicity and you know that folks are going through challenges, then do what you can to not only pay it forward, but reach back and give mm -hmm. a hand up. You know, we're not talking about cheating. We're not talking about going around or cutting corners. We're talking about saying you see someone with potential and that if you extend that hand, something good can happen. And those mm -hmm. are the things we need to do. And it applies to the filter and dimensions of diversity because I wanna make sure that my white folks, my brothers and sisters out there who sometimes look at us and don't see what others may see, 
which could constitute an opportunity to make sure you're applying the appropriate filter and that that young black man that you're working with can probably be your next leader, you know, can probably be the next person to take your organization to the next level. And it's just as you said, alignment and diversity adds opportunity to the entire organization. That person who you might not necessarily realize you have things in common with can quite possibly be the, the factor that catapults your entire organization into a new framework of opportunity. So diversity does matter. And no matter what color you are, as you said, finding that alignment, reaching out, uplifting that person is critically important. And I wanna make sure to emphasize that, especially given the times that we live in. We're all Americans and we really need to make sure we continue to, or rather for some of us, we start acting like it. I, I don't want to lose sight of that at all. Absolutely. So now you're in the ATL, John. You got 11, you got 11 stores. You know, life is good. You're, you're facing the challenges. You know, um, you're there. You've achieved it. You've hit success. What does John do next? What, 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 what does he throw at life or what does life throw at you? Well... But and the way I look at it is that uh, I want to build a legacy uh, for myself and my family. Uh, my wife now is in the espousal approve, approval program uh, to get approved to be her own operator. Mm. I have a son who's an assistant manager at a store uh, at one of my restaurants, and uh, he's working, hopefully, if he can just get grounded to uh, become an own operator one day. I have a daughter who's my marketing supervisor. Uh, she's out right now uh, on the pregnancy leave, but uh, she's gonna be back and she's, uh, you know, hopefully gonna stick with us and continue on at McDonald's. Uh, I have one daughter who plays basketball overseas. Mm. Uh, and Courtney, she uh, is a great ball player. She's been there for 10 years. She has a passion for the game. And who knows one day she just might come into the business. But I want to build a legacy for my family and for my people. I have people in my organization. I have, uh, you know, vice president of operations. I have uh, four supervisors, office staff, general managers. I want to help those, those folks achieve their goals in life. Uh, have one of my director of operations, uh, you know, has interest in becoming an owner one day. So I'm going to, uh, you know, help him make that become possible. So it's about building a legacy for me now. Uh, and uh, it's not just what I've done, it's what I can do for others. Uh, in regards to my legacy, I support the Ronald McDonald's House Charities. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, take care of families and kids uh, who are living at uh, special houses we built when the kids are sick and in nearby hospitals. I support that. I was a board member. I'm an alumni member of that. Uh, we also have the Wheels of Dreams Youth Foundation. Uh, and this is a foundation developed by, you know, a few owners back in 2002 and uh, it's a mobile bus that travel to local high schools and teach kids about entrepreneurships, uh, how to become an owner, uh, life, uh, life skills, uh, you know, 
financial savvy, how to build credit, how to get a good credit score, how to keep a good credit score, how to do a great resume, how to get a job, what it takes to keep a job, which is a, a big one these days. Yep. And so the Wheels of Dreams Youth Foundation, I was a founding member, uh, was the president. Now I'm a board member, member of that. So it's about giving back, uh, you know, and, you know, I've been part of the Phoenix Pass Foundation for Homeless, homeless Women here in Congress. Uh, I was the chairperson of that. Now I'm an alumni member of that as well. We have an upcoming golf tournament coming up October the 11th, Venus Pass Foundation, venuspass.org. You can go and register to come out to support us. And we provide a free apartment for homeless women for two years, free rent. You know, so we got to give back and take care of our people. Uh, and build on a legacy and supporting certain charities. That's what I'm about right now. That is outstanding. That is outstanding, John. And, you know, we got to thank you for doing that, for putting that out there, because we know that without question, there are more, far more than enough people out there that are in need. And the challenge, of course, is getting to them or rather getting to them in a manner where, as I like to say, we hit a critical threshold in this legacy building and, and you know, providing opportunity so that these folks can step up and step out of whatever challenging thing they're currently facing that's holding them back. Whether it's having enough money to maintain an apartment, having enough money to go to school, having the space to sit back, think and breathe so that they can go ahead and get through high school, graduate and do whatever is next, whether it's go to college or entering a meaningful skill that allows them to grow and thrive. They need that. And if you're doing that kind of work like you're doing, I think the only thing that's left is to figure out how to get more folks to do more of the same because we have to expand the level of engagement across the board if we're gonna lift these people up to where we know they can be productive members of a widening American society. That's, that's what has to happen. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a while now, and it brings me a lot of pleasure uh, to see, you know, the Phoenix Pass Foundation, you know, we have women that apply who are living in their cars and have been, a, been through an abusive relationship. They may have one or two kids. They may live with a relative, you know, nowhere to go. And we uh, apply, we uh, let them apply. We have a waiting list, of course. And uh, we have uh, about 15 apartments right now and uh, really 14 in use. And, you know, two years rent-free, they have to attend, you know, educational courses, they have to go through counseling and the whole nine yards and they have to save uh, a certain percentage of their salary so in two years, they can get out on their own and get their own place, of course, get on their own feet. But a uh, wonderful program, you know, I'm proud to support it. Uh, and just, it's just one of the ways in which I give back. Right. And that program, I'm curious, do you have a management team that runs that? Or how do folks matriculate, so to speak, through the program once they're in it? Yes, we do have a executive director, executive director, uh, over the Phoenix Pass Foundation, Arbonette, uh, 
she has a couple of folks that work with her uh, and the ladies have to sign up for uh, counseling sessions uh, in which they, uh, you know, talk about, you know, how you're doing with saving your money, how you're doing on your job, uh, you know, is your apartment good, anything you need. Uh, and then uh, we have uh, special uh, instructors that come in and teach certain courses. Yeah. It might be a course on, uh, you know, finance, a course on, um, you know, uh, uh, raising a family, uh, upkeep of the home, uh, a lot of different areas in which we teach uh, these these uh, women to help them grow to the next level. Uh, so, um, you know, phoenixpass.org. Yeah. Look it up on the website and get involved. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. So I wanted to ask you, um, you know, as we're rounding out here, and you talked about how things can be difficult and challenging for a person like you who's achieved this level of success. When you look back on it, what was the most difficult, hard thing that you had to go through over the course of your life as you walked your way to attaining this level of success? When you look back on it, what do you say that was the hardest point in my life? I would say the hardest part in my life is um, when I transitioned from three stores in Alabama to nine stores in Atlanta. Hmm. Uh, and when it boils down to it, it's all about people. Gotcha. Uh, from the Alabama market, I only brought two people uh, to help me, you know, run those nine restaurants. I had to take over uh, a new office staff. Uh, I had to, uh, you know, get to know um, nine new general managers and their teams and their crews. Uh, and they were spread out over uh, the outer skirts of Atlanta around the airport, uh, Clayton County, uh, Cab County. So it's just a matter of, uh, Getting to know those folks, getting them to trust me, getting getting uh, building trust in, with each other, uh, building the teamwork together. Uh, it was tough because I had some stores where people did not believe. Mm. Uh, they, you know, did not see McDonald's as a career, um, and you know, jailing the two people I brought with a new supervisor I picked up and uh, as an owner operator with the nine restaurants, I supervise for the restaurants myself. Wow. And the other supervisors supervise the five. And so, you know, being an owner operator in charge of, you know, the back office with my office staff, assisting them, marketing, uh, you know, dealing with the corporations and the meetings, uh, dealing with the day-to-day -day operations. Um, that was tough. It was tough. I had to put in some hours. You talking about, uh, you know, um, 50, 60 hours a week at times. Wow. I had to grind it out, as Ray Hawkins can say, grind it out. Uh, but uh, eventually we built trust. 
with the managers and the teams and the crews, uh, you know, uh, we got alignment about our goals and our vision and our mission. And uh, we went from nine stores to 19 stores. So we must have been doing something right. We were definitely doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that transition was tough. Oh, my goodness. You go from three stores to nine stores, you know, yeah. in one day. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, see, but, but the point is, right, you know, and, and that's the thing we got to make sure we keep emphasizing. The path ain't easy. It's right. never easy. You got to want it. And that's with anything. You got to want it. You got to be willing to walk it. You got to work it. Like you said, you got to grind it out. And if you do... Four or five times out of five, you're going to find it was worth it. You're going to find it was worth it. Absolutely. So now, yeah, you know, John, you, you've done that. You, you overcame that. And you're, you're in this place where you're doing the thing of leaving the legacy and making sure that, um, you know, that you've blazed the path that folks can follow. And I want to make sure that this podcast adds to that effort. I want to make sure folks understand that that you know you present a story that is both compelling and uplifting and that it ain't easy but that's just the bottom line but if you walk it there are things you can achieve as well what would you say to the crowd you know what advice would you give them in the last of um of what people should do in order to try and say okay this is the path this is how you do it i'm not even you know particular about the field but these are the things that you should be doing if you want to achieve that critical success for yourself uh, some of the things that you should be doing to achieve your goals in life and, you know, work towards the path of, uh, you know, entrepreneurship or whatever you might deem in your life. Uh, you got to have some passion for it. Uh, you know, you got to be fully committed. Uh, you know, you may quit, but never quit two days in a row. Um, so it's a matter of, uh, you know, I pledged the Vegas Sci-Fi fraternity and manhood scholarship, uplift and perseverance. Manhood, you know, be responsible, you know, take care of yourself and take care of others. Uh, you know, you say you're going to do something, do it, make it happen. Scholarship, education, education is key. Knowledge is power. So you got to get your good education. Uplift, look back and reach back and help others. You know, it's all about, you know, it's not about you all the time. It's about what you can do together. So uplift and perseverance. Do not give up whatever you do. Hang in there, okay? Uh, don't give up. You see, when you have a goal, sometimes you have to make adjustments in life. Make those adjustments, but Keep moving, moving towards your goal and do your best to accomplish those goals. So manhood, scholarship, uplift, and perseverance. Uh, that's what I leave with you today. All right. Well, that is an absolutely outstanding message. Rude to the good bros. Thank you <laughs> for taking the time to share that with us today. And John, it has been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, we want to have you back on soon again, because this is the kind of exposure that we need. 
These are the stories that have to be told. And if we tell them and more people in situations where they don't get to see this type of thing, then that uplift starts to happen. People start to mm -hmm. believe you're an example to be followed and we thank you for it. It's so good to be here, Derek. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, we'll be talking soon. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. The American dream comes as it may in many forms, proportional to your desire to achieve. The opportunities are available to you. Whether or not you're willing to take advantage of those opportunities, well, that's up to you. And of course, sometimes circumstance. But perhaps most importantly, what we have to consider is that often enough, when time is right, there is someone there with an open hand for you when the time is right. You have to be there. You have to be ready. You have to see it. You have to know. And perhaps greatest of all, someone has to be willing to be there to stand, ready to meet you. It takes a village. Fortunately, many of us have forgotten that. There was a village of a kind for John, pivotal at the right time, the right place. There were those advocates, those sponsors, those people in positions of authority and power who were willing to open their hands for him. Perhaps most of all, that is the best part of what John has shared with us. So we thank you, John. Thank you for taking the time to edge the edges with us, for sharing your story and allowing us a moment to pause and take in your success. Shining a light on a path well walked emblazoned so that others in time may follow. This is the way. And of course, we have to thank you, our listeners, for taking the time to plug into our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it, so please like and subscribe. Tell your family, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Itch the Edges. And don't forget to visit our website at itchtheedges.com. Check us out. Join the movement. Express your commitment to the cause. The cause for a better America, a better world. Where we all can stand together at the mountaintop. Be good to yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time.